Hi, I'm your host, Susan Nay. Welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out. It's a series designed to help you demystify HR and the human resource processes. We're going to talk about people management and get the goods on and see how all this stuff works. You're going to hear from everyday heroes and get their perspectives as we touch on a wide variety of topics, topics that impact us in our work and in our work environments. You'll find nuggets for your treasure chest of learning. Hopefully you'll discover insights for your personal and your professional growth. I'm glad you're here. I suspect it's because you want to be the very best version of yourself, your personal best, and that you get understanding these systems and processes will help you on your journey, on your path. You ready to dare to soar? Want to join me at flight school? Let's do this. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, welcome to the podcast HR Inside Out. I'm your host, Susan Nay, and today I'm excited to introduce you to Sharon Summerfield. Sharon founded The Nourished Executive in 2017. She's a registered holistic nutritionist and a certified breath coach with an extensive business background working across all of the sectors. Welcome, Sharon. Great to be here. I'd first like to share a little bit about your organization, and I do encourage our listeners to check out your website, www.nourishedexecutive.ca. And I will put the website and your contact information on the show notes for the podcast. Let's start. You are passionate about coaching business professionals to manage stress and to nourish their well-being to prevent burnout. That's so exciting. Now, as shared on your website, your true, our true constant is, is indeed change. And it's through making small micro changes, beginning with a desire for something different, that our health transformation begins. You share that as we begin to pause and to consider our dance with stress, to look at our true priorities, to look at ways to invest in our self-care and to nourish our body, mind and spirit, we can show up in our lives in different and new and exciting ways. You work with those who have a desire to live a more fulfilling and nourishing life that is so much more than only work, offering nutrition and wellness coaching and a holistic lens. At The Nourished Executive, you offer one-on-ones, small group coaching, and speaking at events, meetings, and conferences. Topics may include, but are not limited to, self-care, an investment in yourself, preventing burnout, psychological safety, changing our dance with stress, self-reflection, scheduling downtime, and making lifestyle changes to enhance our brain health. You share that we can make different choices in how we spend our time and energy. We're asking for help, taking breaks, and scheduling downtime is celebrated and encouraged. You help your clients discover new and exciting ways to invest in their well-being and be nourished in all of you. Sounds fabulous. (laughs) Well, thank you. I've been one of those individuals and in human resources, I have been a witness to far too much burnout from others experiencing stress, sickness from overwhelm, loss of passion from feeling unrecognized, improperly resourced. As we both know, the list continues. This is critical stuff. 
and we both know that if we're not presenting our best, both we, actually everyone and our organizations suffer. So please <laughs> tell us more about your experiences with your clients and the how of what you do to help. I think the big piece is, um, you know, sadly, I've, I've experienced burnout. And um, it was when I was juggling a lot. And when I look back, it's really my values were in conflict with the values of the organization and what the organization said it stood for. The walk and the talk weren't in alignment. So as you shared, when when we're we're struggling, where we're trying to keep all these different balls in the air, um, one of them will eventually draw but the ball of work keeps coming back and so it's it's finding those ways to make different choices and and I think one of the big pieces people that want, are so attached to their badge of busyness and always being on and having every notification on all their devices and their laptops on I'm not the right person for them to work with they really have to come to the realization and have a desire for something something different and you know during during covid i actually worked with a with two former colleagues and they're also friends and one they were in very different scenarios one had had joined an organization where she thought it was it was going to be a really good working relationship working with the ceo and um it wasn't there was some incivility, there was some bullying going on. And so, you know, we would have these phone calls. It's like, okay, what choices can you make? What different things can you do? How can you structure your day in different ways? And I, I, I said, you know, if you can't, you can't even sit down and have these conversations and be met anywhere, maybe you need to go on stress leave because she'd actually had a heart attack 10 years before that. She'd been really bad um, relationship and was getting out of it and then had a full-on heart attack I'm like you cannot continue so she had been having conversations with a cardiologist and and she actually went on she went on stress leave she was away for a couple of months got strong enough and then has found a role where she's absolutely thriving like she is just the tone of her messages, she's herself again. And there was another friend, um, she'd been away from work for, for close to three years and had two little ones. And she was looking at how she was gonna go back to work. I'm like, be, be careful about the shiny bits, just because there's a big salary and there's all these wonderful benefits. What does that actually mean in reality and how will that work for your, your family, your situation? Because everyone's different. And, and so she ended up, we spent a fair amount of time, like working through it, looking at her resume and doing, it's not something I usually do, but um, I was pleased to help her. And she ended up finding another person, finding an amazing role that she's thriving in because she's taken, we don't just show up to work to only work. We have all these bits and pieces together. And that's one of the reasons I don't like the word work-life balance because it's 
there's no such thing. How can there ever be any balance if work is always number one? And work doesn't fit in one corner and our kids in another corner and our husband in another corner. It's when we discover that harmony and can look at, at celebrating that melodic rhythm in the dance of life that we can actually start showing up in different ways or, you know, creating those boundaries that are in line with, with our values and purpose. So then we can actually show up as our best selves, not just in one corner, but in all aspects of our life. Values alignment is so critical. And I, I, you know, I don't know that we've really trained people in understanding what their own guiding principles are. And then, you know, how do you then ensure that those are also in alignment with the organization that you're contemplating or you're, you're working with them? Um, I suspect that a lot more of that is happening. And certainly when it does, you get the kinds of situations more frequently that you're you're sharing your two clients have found eventually. You pursued certification as a registered holistic nutritionist and as a certified breathing coach on your own journey. Can you share why these particular certifications and how you have found that you uh, use them when you're working with your clients? Um, so it really, it really started, you know, I, I worked as a project manager, executive assistant for many years, you know, managing events and conferences, working with executives, managing, as referred to as managing the unmanageable. Um, and, and it was, you know, as I, as I started to look at, you know, how we were bringing, like at one point I worked for a big consulting firm, an engineering firm. And so there could be really crazy deadlines or people that were having health crises, um, not crises, but they were making different choices on their health journey. Like, for example, at Christmas time for year, for several years, we had done lunches with, with the one business group. But because the business group grew from about 15 to well over 100 in a year, um, a, we, we didn't have the budget for it. Mm -hmm. And B, we thought we've got, well, there's got to be a different way we can pull people together. So we started um, holding what we called these breaks. We had these great big um, layout tables that were on, um, that were on four lateral file cabinets. So they're big enough so you could roll out an engineering drawing across them. So what we did is we would go and we would get, um, one executive would go and pick up um, this special chocolate log at Christmas time that she liked. And then we had platters of cheese and fruit. We had some eggnog. We had some, you know, some nothing alcoholic. Um, and what happened was people loved it because they weren't being, they weren't losing two hours of their day. Cause I mean, if you go off site for a lunch, you lose up to two hours a day. Um, and and so they just they just loved that we were doing and and the connection was so amazing. So those were like some of the the first times. And I was playing around with things. I was playing around with food. I was, you know, e events. Um, I used to work for the BC School Superintendents Association, and so I started playing around with how much coffee was served. Like how people, if you're getting tired in the afternoon, the last thing you want is another cup of coffee. And so I've been. Um, I'd been, you know, getting more fruit and those sorts and having bottled juices around and 
this was this was in the 90s actually and one of the assistant superintendents in Chilliwack I'll never forget this he came up to me and he said Sharon we know what you're doing and we are <laughs> and it, it was it was it was like okay and so they'll start to plant these seeds and I started reading articles around organizations if they're bringing things in for their staff and they want their staff to perform what does that food look like and there were there was an article I wish I kept it was in North Shore News um probably about 15 years ago and it was actually assigning responsibility to the organizations that if you've got staff working extra hours why aren't you giving bringing in food that's going to sustain them we need to stop moving away from pizza lunches and and so after I was um after I was laid off from the engineering firm because my project role came to an end I and before that, I'd started going to open houses for the two nutrition schools that are in Vancouver, the Institute of Holistic Nutrition and the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. And after I was laid off, I booked a meeting with the executive director at the, at the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition, and they had a commercial kitchen. And that's what I liked. But my goal actually was to learn more about the intersection with the body, mind and spirit and the impacts around uh, our well-being uh, from stress, and so that really became became my reason for looking at that certification, and and it was very well respected and it's an accredited program. Um, it's important to note that um, the nutrition programs are not regulated. The dietitian programs that are part of the universities are, and then during COVID, I came across this course through Yoga Body. Um, to learn more about breathwork and it was a five-day course it was online and I, I was hooked like it was just something so incredibly simple and so I started talking to different people um, and even with my mom I noticed that she was when she'd get agitated um, she would my mom's in her, her mid-80s and um, dealing with some big health issues um, she was breathing through her mouth and through my training. And it was interesting because I did the training that week and we had a, a family get together. I have four sisters as well um, in Victoria, right in the gorge where the gorge is in Victoria. Gorgeous, stunning area. And she started to breathe through her mouth. I'm like, mom, are you OK? And so then I started going the breathing in through the nose and breathing out through the nose, because as I learned in the certification, and also reading James Nestor's book, Breath, actually mouth breathing is a sign of ill health. And, and so, uh, and it's something that I've started introducing with different people. Um, like if you start to notice that you're breathing through your mouth, slow down, redirect your breath, breathing in through your nose and out through your nose, and it will help ground you. And I bet your sh shoulders are gonna go down and I bet you're going to feel a bit calmer. You integrate all of this wonderful new learning into the work you do with your clients. And, and how, how lucky for your family. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> and I've also, available. I've also been doing courses through Corsa on um, positive psychology. Like when you look at, at, at the intersection of, of well-being, um, and you know the impacts that positive psychology can have on our well-being. 
the question that I was going to ask was you moved from corporate into becoming an entrepreneur and establishing nourished executive. I think I know why by watching your excitement as you talk about some of the new learning that you're now incorporating or have been incorporating, but any more to that question about um, your choice to move from corporate to becoming an entrepreneur? It was kind of, it was a bit of a choice, initially my choice, but a bit of a choice that life happened. So after I was laid off from the engineering firm, um, you know, when I was at the engineering firm, I had an organizational role, a project role, and I led a community investment initiative off the side of my desk. So I had like all these different um, connections and relationships in very different parts of business and community. And um, so I finished my designation. I I joined an e-health project um, working for Vancouver Coastal. And, you know, it was, for me, the project after three years was still stuck in the storming stage. And so I finished my designation. I'd launched the Nourished Executive. So my whole thinking was that I'm going to work full time. I'm going to start building the Nourished Executive and, you know, incorporate that as I'd always done any course I've ever taken. I've always taken those learnings back to, to whatever role I've been in to to help solve problems or maybe, maybe it's stress management or maybe it's different ways we can talk about self-care, but clearly self-care will not cure b- burnout. Um, so I joined a friend to work with her at the Canadian Cancer Society as her executive assistant. So they started, um, she had me getting involved in, in doing some coaching with staff around priority setting. And we, we looked, we revamped a lot of our meetings. We revamped a lot of the one-on-ones. And then in July of 2018, I um, fell off my husband's motorcycle at Horn Lake and injured my right side. So at, at, at the end, of, just before that happened, I was start to get involved in things at the Canadian Cancer Society, doing a little bit of research around social media. And there were, there were, little bits that I started to, okay, how can I invest in my learning and in new ways? So I signed up for the Joyous Health Business Summit course uh, program. It was great. And that's where I learned a lot more about social media. But here I am. I can't write. I can't pick up a mug. I can barely type. Um, I can remember trying to type short emails, having a ice pack underneath my wrist to keep my inflammation down, like the inflammation in my hand, it took three years for it to, to settle. So I could actually use my hand in a more meaningful way. So it was just, and it became, okay, what can I do? Cause there was a lot of things I couldn't do. I couldn't, I didn't drive for six months. I didn't do Pilates for, for a good six months after the injury. I could hardly cook. I could, um, my physio, uh, Clara Swab is an amazing woman at Oak Ridge Physio. So with my nutrition hat, she encouraged me to take recipes and make them more nutrient dense. So with that, during COVID, there came an opportunity to be part of a cookbook that Renew, what it's a Canadian school, um, and they worked with the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition to feature nutritionists across Canada. So like Clara opened those little doors for me. 
And so there was, I started um, being invited to write. I started participating in, and it was really about, okay, what can I do? The HR director at the Canadian Cancer Society said to me, she said, Sharon, I know you can't do a lot, but what about starting to write book reviews? So that's exactly what I did. It, and because it's kind of boring practicing your typing with a typing test, but if you've read something that's really interesting and then you can capture that and, and then share that learning with someone else. Um, and so that's where it kind of, it was like, I had a desire for something different and life changed so much on me. It was, what can I do? And for me, it's always been important to give back. And um, so that was kind of, and there was all these really cool, interesting things that happened, like conversations with you, meeting you through a collection of other people. Um, so it continues to evolve. It's amazing where life can take us when we're open to those new opportunities and you are a phenomenal example of turning adversity and just turning it around and just well, thank you what can I do and every time we talk you give me another list of books that that I'll probably find interesting so um I've always appreciated that and it's you so obviously practice um what you're talking about um because yeah I, I make sure I keep pen and paper beside me when I'm talking to you because there's always nuggets of me to go. And uh, I too, I'm a lifelong learner. And I just, um, yeah, I applaud you. Um, that would have been very difficult. Uh, Thank particularly you. in that uh, as I get to know you better, I see the kinds of things that really uh, make your eyes sparkle and to have some of those taken away from you for a period of time. Um, a lot of people could have done the spiral. And yeah. A wonderful example of it doesn't have to be that way. The choices that we make. So and thank, I, thank I, you for I that. would I, one. You know, my husband's been absolutely amazing, and I've had other people around me that have been really amazing as well. But the one person who has been an incredible source of support is Anne Morant, who I worked at the, with at the Canadian Cancer Society, and we would actually get together. Um, we haven't been able to get together for the last couple of years she's no longer there she's now part of um she's in a vp role with um sfu and she continued to stay in touch and that isn't very common when people are injured or on sick leave or in recovery to have someone i mean i was her executive assistant that would continue to check in like it's been such a gift those creating those foundational relationships is so important and I think it's also important to when someone reaches out um, because again it requires reaching back of keeping that connection and those those are critical those those various support systems that are available to us and I think it's really easy for us to think, oh, not really. Um, you know, that somebody's reach out is not genuine. And we won't know that until we reach back and find out. That's right. So, lucky SFU. And lucky mm -hmm. you've got uh, such a wonderful woman who is a support to you in your life. 
Yeah, she's an amazing woman. Um, You've shared a number of places that you've worked. Um, Some of those have been private sector and some of those have been public sector. Um, And for our listeners, when we talk about the different sectors, we're talking about public, private, not-for-profit as examples, uh, including entrepreneurs as well. Do you see anything different when in the different sectors? Like, have your experiences been different with regard to the work that you're doing? Um, talking about burnout and, and ensuring people are being able to present their best? That's a really good question um, because it has a lot to do with the leadership um, and the choices that the, the leaders of the organization or the projects um, how they choose to manage their life. And when I worked, I worked on the gateway program in the early days. um, And I'm sure, you know, the gateway program was, you know, a three plus billion dollar infrastructure project included the self Fraser perimeter road, the Portman bridge, the Pitt river bridge, and the expansion of highway one. And I'm I'm missing a few things. And for our listeners, we're talking about um, infrastructure in the lower mainland around the Vancouver area. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so when I joined the the gateway program in the early days, before it was actually a live project, the leadership um, always said family was priority one. And I think that's the differentiator when it comes, and it doesn't even matter the sector, because I mean, those were public sector projects that was a lot of private companies that were involved and I initially was involved as a contractor and then left and joined the West Bend School District and then was invited back as an employee of CH2M Hill and then was involved in various aspects of of different projects um, for my time while I was at CH2M Hill and it has a lot to do with the leaders it has a lot to do with that connection and probably one of the reasons why I feel that that building connection with your team, you know, the one-on-ones, how you are finding out, learning about them as a person, not just have you got X, Y, and Z done. And I, what I found really interesting, because I've been, been parts of, um, I worked for the Yukon government in education. That's how I ended up going into education initially as a school secretary. Um, and I found it more tasked. I found the not-for-profits and the and the private companies and the consulting firms is this is the scope of your role. This is the goal we're working towards. These these are these are deliverables. You know this is this is how we're going to move forward. So I found it. I found the, the not-for-profits consulting and the private companies where the, the scope of the roles were actually a lot broader than the private se- than the, the public sector roles. Um, but I found there was a lot you were empowered to, to um, do your job. If you didn't have the resources, um, which is resourcing is always a big problem for any organization. Sometimes you could get more creative. I found in the public sector, there was almost more barriers. The, the policy the policies created more barriers to getting the work done and doing the right thing 
Whereas in the other sectors, for me, policies have always been been guidelines. Okay, this is the policy. What do we need to do differently? Like when I was at CH2M Hill, uh, a global engineering firm, there was a travel policy that we had to book through our travel agent in Toronto, but it wasn't working. Their computers couldn't talk to the smaller carriers. So I started working with a lady in Toronto who's responsible for the travel policy and the travel program. And then Denver, where the headquarters was, got involved. It took six months to get the policy changed. But what I did behind the scenes, I went directly to the executives that I was working with. Okay, this is what I see is happening. This is what I think we need to do. Um, This is what I'd like to do. And got them on board. Yeah, behind you 200%. Whatever happens to the policy happens to the policy. But you are saving us lots of buckets of money by getting that change happening, by doing that, even though it's against policy. That obviously isn't something that's exciting for you. And I think takes us back to, that's been my experience as well, working, well, not necessarily the, the policy example, but um, that working within private sector, nonprofit and public is quite different. That it's part of the exploration that an individual needs to do to ensure that um, who they are is in alignment with the corporate vision and mission and, and values. Um, and interesting because it's also been my experience that it really hasn't mattered where I've worked. It, um, uh, the, it's the people that you're working with that really are the experience that can either create stressors uh, or potential stressors um, or, or the alternative. Because boy, when you're working with a team that are there for one another, I call it working with a team that hums it is I love that. invigorating. It is invigorating. And I've worked with HR teams that hum and going to work was a just a, a joy. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with senior teams that hummed that everybody was there. We were all protecting each other um, appropriately, uh, not inappropriately, of course. And um, the work we got accomplished by really understanding what each other's goals were and and sometimes suppressing where we wanted to go so that we could support where they needed to go because the time was perfect Uh, really does create incredible um, opportunities to come to work and love what you're doing it's just it's easy to get up every morning but we could go on and I want to take you to some other areas Um, in our work I know that it's not just individuals in the formal leadership roles that are struggling with the areas that we've been talking about. How do you think that anyone can help protect themselves against the realities of of many of our current work environments? Um, And I know that you speak on some of this in your YouTube videos, which I'll put in the podcast Mm -hmm. notes as well, on both breath and the importance of pausing and taking breaks. So hopefully I haven't stolen your thunder, but... Support not for at all. Us. Please take it from here. Um, I think I, I think it begins. I think we need to start looking at our relationship with technology. Um, and I, I think in a lot of cases, um, we have 
so many opportunities to connect. When you think about um, email, text, um, Facebook Messenger, LinkedIn, um, Instagram, Twitter, we have, we've got all, and we, believe it or not, the phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and we've never been more disconnected, isolated, and alone. And one of my first things I like to recommend to people is turn all your notifications off. And they're like, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm like, well, no, seriously. I think where we've gotten it wrong is that we're letting these things manage us instead of us managing, you know, these are tools and we can make choices on how we engage and use these tools and then create, create um, boundaries around what we're going to do. One of the things I, I wrote a piece on um, managing zoom fatigue. It's, it's on, it's on a website. But one of the things I like to talk about um, is is that when we're working with teams, where do we get thinking time? Are we actually getting thinking time? You know, because not all, you know, there's what sometimes when we need to do that deep work, the notifications, that's the last thing we want to have on. Um, and when are we going to actually collaborate with our team? And, you know, being more open and transparent about that, what does that look like? And actually have that conversation so that, you know, people have different things, you know, our teams are diverse and sometimes in different locations, but we can't be all things to everyone. And building on that, how are we actually creating space to step away, take that downtime? And if we don't actually develop a plan on how we're going to do it, we're not going to reap the benefits of the downtime. Because if we're always we have the ability to connect. That's actually one thing I like about our cabin at the lake. It's at an off-grid lake. So there occasionally you can get a few bars and, and, and maybe look at Facebook or send a message if you're standing on the dock or by the fire. And as long as the wind isn't blowing. Um, but being able to schedule that downtime, work with your team and your clients, um, looking at when you're going to take that time and look at who's going to actually cover for you while you're away. Not only can you take the time, you can um, show your staff and your team, you trust them and you create an opportunity for you not to think or talk about work or have to get drawn into work. And you're providing an opportunity to empower another person or another team expose someone to a different side of the business they've never been part of. Those are really important conversations to have within our organizations. You know, I, I did a podcast on, oh my goodness, take your break. And I, I it's funny because in crossword puzzles, you know, and you're stuck, you just step away, you come back and it's like, oh, of course, like it's incredible for our brains need that processing time. And you're right. I don't think we're we're allowing that. We're not, not making time for it. Um, and even just, I, I encourage people to just step outside for a moment. And if you can't, look outside. Just look to make, you know, to remember that there's birds in the trees and and fresh air. And and it, it is too easy to get so caught up um, 
with the, the busyness that you've referred to that, um, yeah, that's when our health starts to suffer. And it sounds like that's what you've seen in your clients. So I have. And one thing I do like to encourage people to do is, you know, on the weekends, get out and walk in nature. And while you're in nature, take some photos. If something speaks to you, take a photo of it. And then when you get back and are involved in your grind, as uh, you know, your, your day-to-day, whatever you're part of, and when you can't get back in nature, take a look at those photos and use those photos as ways to ground you to build that transition time in your day. Um, and it is another way to invest in your well-being. And just to take the time to be in the moment in that nature, to listen to the birds, to smell the the damp earth. We're in Vancouver. <laughs> it's always yeah. damp. <laughs> And that too um, is, a, is a grounding of just remembering that experience. So uh, those are wonderful tips because although you are focusing on or your, your title as executive, these are tips that we all can use. Um, and I'm sure that although you're nourished executive, your client group uncertain encompasses much more than just people yeah. in the C-suite. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. we're all clear on that. When you and I have talked, I'm going to take us to a different uh, different area. You encouraged me to look at the HR Strategy Council. Can you tell us a little bit more about that organization? And I, again, will include a link in the show notes. The HR Strategy Council was actually, <clears throat> actually a group on LinkedIn. And it was started by Deborah Nixon. Um, as she is is um, a senior HR leader in the Toronto area. And what was happening, it was starting in the, in the early days of COVID. What was happening is there was all these HR people that were coming to her with all these questions about how do we navigate this? So she basically created the HR Strategy Council and to create space for HR leaders to come and basically come as you are. It was actually open to anybody. So it started off with the HR Strategy Council, and then on that was on Monday mornings. And then on Wednesday mornings, um, she would have something called Big Idea Wednesdays. And so she'd bring in all these different speakers. And um, it was amazing. Like one of the speakers, and it was a morning I was, at this point, I was going back to Vancouver every two weeks. She brought in the speaker. Her name is Candace Mama. And she's from South Africa. She's a Vogue model, but she was talking about forgiveness. And look her story up. It is unbelievable. Everyone was in tears because the HR Strategy Council and also for the Big Idea Wednesday, the idea was to connect. So wanted everybody on screen. Um, So, I mean, and she also brought Jen Harper on, who is the, the CEO of Cheekbone, um, which is an Indigenous um, makeup company, and they're a B Corp, so a high percentage is going back to the cause. Mm-hmm. And I love what Jen is, what Cheekbone is doing. Um, I love their makeup. And um, so there were other pieces with the HR Strategy Council where people started getting involved in writing white papers. So no one was paid. Um, this was, we all felt very passionate about it. And uh, Deborah put a call out to see if anyone was interested in being part of the, the writing a paper on psychological safety. So I put my hand up and there was five of us 
amazing, amazing people. Um, and so we came together. We basically, we, we split the document up. What is psychological safety? Examples of um, how you create it and what do you do? Um, what do you do when it's not not there? And um, so I and that's where I discovered um, Timothy Clark's work, um, the four stages of psychological safety, and Amy Edmondson's work, another another amazing woman in that space. And and it was really interesting to be part of this group where it was, how can I help? It was like, okay, I'm not sure. I, I, so there was a few people that were looking at some roles with the Canadian Cancer Society. I'm like, well, let me know. Please to mm -hmm. make some introductions. So there was, that was the whole spirit of how can I help? And, um, you know, after it, it went on for about solidly for about two years. And then as more pe people transitioned into roles, it um it kind of didn't it it kind of we weren't meeting every week and uh I think it was last year um uh, one of the guests that Deborah brought on is was Tony Saltas who's the CEO of uh Achieve which is an organization in Toronto helping newcomers how they navigate the new landscapes and find work so i i've been thinking about writing a piece around the community investment initiative that i led when i was at ch Tone hill with a school basically of newcomers and so i was so inspired by everything that tony was doing and that was the beauty of the hr strategy council was come as you are and Deborah found amazing people to feature about what they were doing. And it was, it was like, I don't want to miss it. <laughs> it was just um, like, like, it was such a gift. And, and I believe all of the recordings are actually on Deborah's YouTube channel. Okay. Um, I will work with you to make sure that all of that information is in the show notes to the podcast as well. And is it possible to share that white paper on psychological safety? Yeah, I actually, what I did is I was, the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition asked me to write an article on burnout. And so I actually, I have a, a post on my website um, that has, that talks about it, has links to the article um, because I hadn't read Jennifer Moss's book yet. So I wrote the article with a link to, to our white paper in the oh, article. Perfect. And also I have a list of, uh, resources by no means is it exhaustive um okay, so your, your website's a good place for people yeah. to go um, if they're interested in in uh, taking a look i certainly am so I, I will be doing that afterwards you you choose a word per year connector is yours in 2023 and no surprise <laughs> from what you've just shared <laughs> um and again i as i alluded to earlier you you're obviously a lifelong learner you're always reading you have given me a wonderful resource of books that um that i'm constantly at the bookstore looking for or, or on amazon this is part of leadership 
like this is part of my definition of leadership, that sharing, that it's really servant leadership. How can I be of support to others? I suspect it's something that's always been in your makeup. Um, do you think it's an important part of when, whether, and I, when I think of leadership, I don't think of, I mean, formal leadership is certainly part of it, but I think that each of us have leadership within us. Um, and that uh, I know for me that that, that sharing, that uh, trying to be of service to others is, is critical. And boy, I'm sure getting that loud and clear with you. Do you think that that's something that any of us aspiring to be leaders, that that's an important component of, of what we offer? I think it is. <clears throat> I think it's really important. Um, and, you know, we've all been part of organizations and teams where um, the leaders weren't leading. Um, they have the title of leadership, but they're, they're not actually leading. And I always come back to the Simon Sinek quote, um, be the leader you wish you had. And I, I think it's, it's in all of us. I think uh, reaching out, if something interests you, why not learn a little bit more about it? Um, you know, the opportunities to learn are actually endless. And sometimes it's actually challenging our thinking. Um, you know, for, for when I started to, you know, feel a little bit more, you know, when I, when I lived in Whitehorse and I was going through my divorce and I was working as a, as the head school secretary and my day started when my phone rang and my, you know, it wasn't uncommon for me to work seven days a week. Um, and, and I was, you know, I, I was so tired and I thought, well, it's just, I just need a holiday. So every holiday I would come down to Vancouver, I would drive from Whitehorse down to Vancouver. I'd be in Vancouver for six weeks. I'd come at Christmas and quite often at spring break, it was a nice little break for my son as well. Um, but I actually, I was always thinking about work and that's where I really started, you know, how can I do life in a different way? And so that's where I started with the idea of making commitments to ourselves, be, invest in ourselves, be the leader in yourself. If we make commitments to ourselves and we're not honoring those commitments, how can we actually show up as our best self? We can't. Because then the inner critic starts going, going and doing its thing. Or as the, the Nagoski sisters who wrote the book Burnout refer to it as the mad woman in the attic. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's I, I think it's, it is being that leader um, for ourselves. And we don't necessarily have to, we might not be, have the title of a leader um, at one point when I was at CH Twom Hill, I had um, an assistant, my first assistant got promoted and it was lovely to see her just totally blossom and just, she's still doing amazing. And so I, um, they hired a second assistant who they moved off a project and she was really struggling. So tried to, you know, go to HR and her manager and try to create some framework around a role that will work really well for her. But when we came down to the, when I, the more I learned and saw where she was struggling, she was struggling because she didn't know how to use Outlook. And sadly, the organization wouldn't let 
any test, any of the staff that were supposed to help support me um, on how they knew how to use Outlook. So what I started doing is I started doing lunch and learns and little coffee breaks. The organization was also struggling. And so, but it created this community where everyone came together. Okay, Sharon's there, so there's going to be good food. We're going to learn some little tips about how to use Outlook. And so I can remember people gathering around my desk and I started doing little things like, okay, um, I would send out little messages about needed input on something. And I'm going to use the voting button. Whoever uses the voting button gets a small box of chocolates. And <laughs> so it was, it was just like these really simple little things. I didn't do it. And I never, ever let anyone know that she was the one that actually motivated me to do this so we could help her because this was an area many needed help in. Oh, for me, that's just true leadership. You know, you see something, you take the initiative and you do what you can within the bounds of what you can do. And certainly you've given us an example of sometimes when it wasn't within perhaps your area of responsibility, you did it anyway and just worked the system until you were able to, to get things changed. Um, yeah. And obviously in some of the positions that you've held, you weren't necessarily the formal leader when you were, were doing that. So I think a, a really important message for, for us to be sharing uh, with our listeners. What's next on your career journey? Um, what are the topics that you are hoping to speak on? Are there any scheduled that the listeners would be interested in, in hearing of? On Friday, I'm actually doing a live Instagram with Jessica Zook. Um, That's unfortunately for our listeners not going to be, we won't be okay. published until after that. Okay. Um, but uh, it might be recorded. So I shouldn't have stopped you. So it probably will be recorded. It's a live Instagram with Jessica Zook. Um, and we're talking about values. And I actually met Jessica when she was teaching at CAP, um, their intro to jazz piano. And she's now in Hong Kong and we connected over social media a couple of years ago. And so we're just going to, we're going to have a little talk about values. And um, then on February 25th, I am part of the wellness expo. That's going to be in Nanaimo at the Vancouver Island conference center. And I will be, I'm one of the speakers and I'm going to be talking about, about building connection to to prevent burnout and I also have a I have a booth at the trade show so I'll have a number of my cards and I take my cards and turn them into photo I take my photos and turn them into cards and they're all printed locally and experimenting with some postcards so those will all be available for sale. Certainly we have listeners on Vancouver Island so um, or a, a lovely destination for those who don't live on Vancouver Island. Um, thank you. And I will talk to you about getting connections to those so that we can also put those in the show notes. So again, um, people interested in connecting with you, learning more about you and what your offerings are, uh, your website, your contact information will be on the show notes. Um, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you were dying for me to uh, to do? And now's your opportunity. 
Um, no, I think I think we've covered it. Um, my my word for this year, um, yes, connect and connection. Um, my word for last year, and I think as we navigate our new times, I think it's still very relevant. Like my word for last year was grace. Um, with this thought, may we give ourselves grace and embrace the possibilities of a new day. Love it. Absolutely love it. And and I like the I like everything that I'm part of. I like to use the words be nourished in all you do. Because if we start looking at our work, um, our lives, how is it nourishing us? And I remember I was in the process of choosing a name for the business. And I was having a tea with one of the executives I worked with um, for many years, dear friend, Ian's just lovely. And I was, I was telling him, as we would go for walks every morning and trying to figure out the name. And I said, I've landed on the name of the nourished executive. He's like, Oh, that's really good. And, um, and I said, with this idea, with the, the, the foundational piece of being nourished in all you do, is your work actually nourishing you? And he had worked on a, on a project that was um, challenging and would also involved being away from home, you know, 80% of the time. So that, you know, being away from your family and traveling for work is, is not easy. And so it was just, and I'm amazed how many people that idea of being nourished in all you do as you take something new on, or sometimes it's, and that's one of the challenges with burnout. There's so many wonderful opportunities out there, but will it nourish you? Like taking into account all the dynamics of the people dynamics, the the travel or the technology, how will this nourish you? And if it doesn't, is this, in what ways can you begin to say yes to yourself more often by saying no to others? And, and that deeper dive into, you know, doing that exploratory work about you know, that the values alignment and some of the other things that we've talked about today, uh, taking the time to refresh um, just that, that broader taking the, the, the old oxygen mask. Yeah. Because burnout is real and I don't think it's going away. And it's not really, you know, it becomes personal responsibility to the extent that we can. Um, of what could I be doing differently that will at least mitigate um, how I'm feeling? Yeah, and there's some there's some cultures, uh, work cultures that are burning people out, and you know that's where making choices around the the work, and if we start. I remember seeing this a couple of years ago in a magazine, the Magnolia Journal, and it re it was talking about viewing time as a treasure gift. When we start viewing time as a treasured gift and in what ways that we can contribute in meaningful ways and make a difference, we start thinking about things that way. I think we can make different choices. And as you say that, I think about the pizza and, you know, how many times did I bring donuts or muffins? And, you know, those are heavy carbs. 
that sit in your system and, you know, really you're right, do nothing to revitalize and re-energize. And not to say a good donut isn't a good thing. Every now and then a good donut is quite tasty. (laughs) And, and it tends to be the norm, right? Still. So, and although I thought, you know, be a better choice to bring, you don't think about that. It's, it's not just, these are healthy alternatives. They're really the alternatives that are going to give you the energy to, to in a much more positive way, get through a day when there's a lot of very stressful things that are happening. And, and even, I remember when I was working for the West Mount School District, um, we had one meeting, nine o'clock in the morning. It was really challenging to get people to show up to it. So I learned that the Savory Island Pie Company, their rye raisin bread came out at 8.30 in the morning. Well, you want to get people to come to a meeting, even in really stressful times, bring tasty food. There was no more attendance issues. Oh, my goodness. And the Savory Pie Company is, yeah, one of the very best. Okay, <laughs> you're making me hungry, and it is time to bring this podcast to a close. And no, I won't go looking for a piece of pie. <laughs> I think I have a nice orange in the fridge that I'll, I'll go and peel. Sharon, thank you so very much for saying yes to the uh, time with us today of sharing so many nuggets of wisdom and uh, certainly lots of things to think about. Um, I I hope our listeners have found something of interest. Can't wait to see where you head. And uh, I know I will be further exploring your website uh, with some of those connections, for example, the white paper on, on psychological safety. Thank you. This has been a true joy. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for our listeners for choosing to spend your time um, in in precious that precious treasure of time um, with us here today. It is Sharon and Susan that are signing out. It's time for us to fly. We ask you to remember, dare to soar, because we believe you can. Have a fabulous day. Till next time. Bye for now. Well, we've reached our destination for today. Time to lower those wheels and prepare for landing. Thank you for joining me. If I said something that resonated with you, please subscribe to the podcast and to share it with others. It would be awesome if you also took the time to provide a review, whatever your favorite social media sites are. If you have a question or an area that you hope I'll cover in a future session, please send me a note either to my website, www.effectingchangefromwithin.com or to my email, susangenay at gmail.com. I look forward to our next time together. In the meantime, soar high. I believe you can. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me.